I love when I feel like we get it, when the person looking for the stole and I find that perfect sweet spot that the stole says, this is who I am and this is my faith. Welcome to Created Creative. I'm Dawn. And I'm Ruth. And Merry Christmas. Yes, Merry Christmas. Do you have presents bought yet? I do. My family has a theme yeah. for Christmas. Uh-huh. We all have a friendly argument about when it even started, but there's a word or a phrase, and then all the presents fit into the theme. So some past themes have been power, symmetrical, experiential. We usually come up with the theme easily, and this year everybody was jockeying <laughs> secret ballots last minute entries and so we finally put the two finalist words on the floor and then had the youngest member of our family crawl toward <laughs> the papers <laughs> and so she chose the word cover cover okay that's such a cool tradition and it goes very well with this podcast <laughs> a creative <It's>, way <laughs> and doles and robes cover <laughs> my yes. brain is in that space make the word fit the thing that was yes. beautiful. I love it. Mm -hmm. We have Melinda that we both know from seminary. Yes. And she makes stoles, which I think we'll have listeners who don't know the word stole. Yeah, I was thinking about that too. If you're not familiar with that word, you could say that it's sort of like a scarf. Right. Yeah. So the stole is the sign of your ordination. And there are different types of stoles for whether you're ordained as a pastor or as a deacon. By the time that I was ordained, it was just part of the tradition to wear. And it's interesting now to see a lot of people wear them less, whereas I like wearing them. For me, my first church wasn't air conditioned. And so during the summer, a lot of times I wouldn't wear a robe and a stole, but it never failed that someone would comment on what I was wearing then. And especially as the young woman I was then, Everybody had an opinion about what I was wearing. So there's like women's lib aspect of the <laughs> uh, robe and the stole. Don't judge my body. We're here to worship. Yeah. So since then, it was much more for me. Okay, I put this on and then you have to see me in this role. You don't get to comment on what I'm wearing. And so in some ways, I'm glad to see people feeling more comfortable to not wear the robes and the stoles. But for me... It's always helped me. I don't have to worry as much about people being critical or even commenting because they don't have any right to say anything about what I'm wearing. Right. But they do. Yeah. <laughs> I don't comment on what they're wearing when they come into church, but I hear a lot of young women who get really frustrated about how people feel like they have the right to comment on their hair or what they're wearing. Do they do that for the male pastors? Or any public figure. Or any. Yeah. And so that's why... And I talked about this briefly with Melinda, too, in the interview about how at first when I started out, there just wasn't much to wear that wasn't being worn by the male pastors down the street. So it's so nice now to have things that are beautiful and made with women in mind. And I mean, she'll go in and design it right with you. And it's just beautiful. And you need kind of a lot of stoles because each stole has different colors based on what part of the church calendar. Like there's a theme color mm -hmm. for each season of the church year. So it's Christmas as this airs. So Advent was blue and then... Mm -hmm. well, it'll be white come Christmas and then it's white for a little while and then maybe a little bit of green before we hit Lent. In the old pictures, you don't see the colored pyramids for the different seasons, like the coverings on the altar or the pretty cloth on the pulpit. 
but I'm sure it was probably something to match. This stole, after we had recorded, I was like, we should have asked her more about the history of the stoles. And well, then Ship 6 specifically knew they had to be narrower in 1965. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's really a level of detail. I know. Yeah. I don't know exactly when it became more popular. We'd have to look up, or there's probably some church yeah. scholar listening to this who could leave us a comment and let us know. <laughs> leave us a comment. We now have social media. We haven't mentioned this. <laughs> Yeah. Listen to this and then we're on Instagram and Facebook. We'd love to continue the conversation. Mm -hmm. Created creative podcast on both Instagram and Facebook. And share. Share to your Instagram story. Share to a group. Yes, definitely share to any groups that you're part of who might be interested in this podcast. That's really helpful for us to get some more people listening. And Merry Christmas. (laughs) Merry Christmas. Welcome, Melinda. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Good to see friends. Isn't that nice? The three of us have never all talked, but we overlapped at seminary. We did. And now you're in Wisconsin? I saw you in Fort Atkinson. Yeah. Right? Yes. I do this musical, The Church Basement Ladies, and it is Minnesota Lutherans because I do that show in a lot of places. Sometimes people want the pastor's stole to just be whatever color is pretty. And I'm like, People will come and they will know it has to be green. You have to do green. You have to. People know. So I'm talking about stoles all the time because of the era. It has to be the silk brocade that starts narrow and gets a little wider. Yes. Mm. Right. Oh, my goodness. And you've been in that area for quite a while now, right? 11 years. Clergy couple. So Martin has been in Bloomer. I was in New Auburn which is just 10 minutes north of here for almost eight of those years. When my bishop said, I think you're working too much. (laughs) Wow, what a bishop! So I get to do this full time now. (laughs) I'm on a non-stipendiary call through the Senate office to be quilted with prayer. Whoa! being everywhere with stoles and banners and paraments. Melinda, I think your business is so cool. My Advent stole is one that you made. It was a patchwork one. I love it so much. I hadn't had a blue one before that. The first Advent one I ever bought was from you, and it's just beautiful. I love hearing that. It's so much fun. I would just love you to share a little bit about how it all began. Tell us all about Quilted with Prayer. When we moved here, the three boys were little. With my oldest being neurodiverse, I went, you know what? I'm not going to take a call right away. They did fine. And so began working with the Synod to find a call. And... It was like one of those instant ahas with the congregation that I served, but I had hoped to be half to three quarters time. And it was under that. And it was like everywhere I turned, there were things popping up. Donate plasma was convinced. God was saying, go donate plasma. I had a member that every three weeks would go in for four hours and I would sit with her. And so for two, almost three years, I donated plasma. Loved that whole culture and the importance of plasma. Nine years ago, made a new stole for Martin and I posted it to Facebook and went, yay, we needed new stoles so bad. Isn't this great? And just from that one post to Facebook of saying, yay, new stoles for us, I had friends say, hey, I need a new stole too. Can you make one? And that plasma money became my small business loan to start buying fabric and equipment to sew. And word of mouth and the Holy Spirit went whoosh. And nine years now, I've been making stoles. And, and so before you made those stoles for you and Martin, 
had you done a lot of sewing? I started sewing when I was eight. Okay. My first dress. It was a 4-H thing. I forgot that I liked to sew. When we left seminary as a clergy couple, we had to come up with a full set of stoles. Each of us did. And at that point, you could only do catalog. But $500 to $1,000 a stole, we just mm-hmm. could not swing that. And so at that point, I had run to the fabric store and just grabbed anything in each of the colors and threw together whatever I could come up with. And so that right from the beginning was my heart. And I've always done a discount for our first year clergy and deacons and rostered leaders because it was so hard to get off the ground. Mm-hmm. And you also do banners, too, now, right? Yeah. Not as much of a love. (laughs) But you you can. (laughs) I have a low-hate relationship with banners and paraments. They're tricky when you're not near those spaces. But it's a need. Congregations Mm -hmm. cannot afford big box stores. And I'm not the best at those out there, but I'm one of the more affordable. And so I went, you know, I'll play. And we've come up with some wonderful things for different congregations, strange projects. Like I had a congregation call and say, hey, we have 150th anniversary coming up. And we found this bundle of brocade that was used as the backdrop behind the altar. Oh, can you do something for us? (laughs) Uh And so we made a cool banner and matching stoles to go with the pastors that were going to be on that Sunday. And it was just marvelous to upcycle that fabric that probably should have been thrown. You're like Maria Von Trapp with the curtains making the play clothes. Like, let's repurpose this. There's still life in it. Yeah. So this is your full-time call now. Yeah. Tell us how that all played out, because I talked to a fair number of people who would like to do these non-traditional things, but then their synod is unable to extend a call. So I know this is so niche, but how does that work out? Just so people know, you're ELCA Lutheran. This is one synod. But I think people need a story of it working for a sense of hope. It's got to be serving the larger church was one of the conditions of that. It's got to be ministry-based and connected deeply to word and sacrament. And I'm required as a non-stipendiary to be in congregational life. And so last year, I had the true gift of getting to be an internship supervisor. And our synod, don't get me going on how much I love Northwest Wisconsin. (laughs) Yay, shout out to them. I I know. Yay. They get that there's so many different things that the church needs to continue down a healthy path. The church is transforming and transitioning really quickly. And I think the leadership needs to keep up with that. And so for me, going part-time was a thing that happened for me very early in my ministry because being a mommy was always one of my top dreams in life. And being full-time in the parish wasn't a good fit for me. I love parish ministry and I love being connected. But as my chaos here grew, our synods kept in touch with what was going on and saw the service that it is to the bigger church. And so it was really your bishop's idea. I would have never dreamed. It would be really difficult for someone that needed insurance. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're on your husband's insurance. There's no retirement benefits. There's no financial interaction mm-hmm. with okay. the synod, but my name stays rostered as an ELCA clergy through the synod's call to me. Which is a big deal. 
It is. It is because doggone going back through that process of candidacy and call and interviews and papers is a lot. And mm-hmm. I think that's what we're seeing amongst especially female clergy that are trying to step back a little bit to do the role of parent or caregiver or any of those things that we have in our lives. It's tough to get back on roster if you mm-hmm. need to be off for more than the allotted period of time. I think the ELCA has come a long ways in that they've realized that they're going to lose good leadership if they don't bend a little more. Yeah, I agree. So with your sewing, do you stick to a schedule when you're working on your projects? Or are you just kind of all day working on different things? Or do you try to keep it to certain hours of the day that you sew? Sabbath? Is that what you're asking about? <laughs> Have you heard of that? Oh, shucks. <laughs> I've always said from early on that Quilter with Prayer saved my marriage. (laughs) My husband and my oldest son, who still live at home, are deeply entrenched in the TV sports world. Okay. And the thought of sitting still and staring at a TV doesn't work. Not your thing. Not my thing. No. Mm -hmm. And so they're on the other side of this wall and I'm on this side of the wall. And so my hours are whatever. Mm -hmm. Your hours are the length of a Green Bay Packer game. (laughs) (laughs) There are days that I will work a 12-hour day when I'm trying to keep up. This time of year is crazy. I do a lot of last-minute Christmas stuff. So it's a really busy time of year, but that's great. So is the sports world. (laughs) (laughs) And so there are days I work a lot of hours. It's hard for me because I really do love it. And I find such joy in the work. That it's hard to remember that it still is work Mm -hmm. and that I have to find that otherness as Mm -hmm. well and take that Sabbath and the time to actually go on a walk rather than just walking around my room. Yeah, it's been really beautiful to see over the years more creativity and beauty and options as far as stoles that are out there. Where do you find ideas? People. (laughs) And I I don't say that half-heartedly. People will come to me and say, okay, so I have this idea for a stall. Mm -hmm. I often say, just grab a color crayon and sit Mm -hmm. down. And sometimes on my Facebook page, I'll post the color crayon drawing that I got and what we did with that. Like the artist's rendering and then the real thing they do with costumes. Yeah, Yeah. that is where so many of my stalls have come from. Quilting designs in general. But I love when people come to me and say, hey, pastor. Don't you think pregnant Mary needs to be on a stole? Mm-hmm. Mm. I will never forget that conversation. I went, oh, cartoon character? Because you need big blocks, you need big pieces, unless we can find it in an embroidery pattern. But all I could think of was this stick figure drawing with a big pregnant belly on it. <laughs> and we spent probably four months going back and forth on that stall and long nights of me going, okay, God, what are we doing here? Mm-hmm. And it's the favorite stall. And one year mm. someone said, don't you think Elizabeth needs to be on there too? And so now some people have Mary and Elizabeth. I love that interaction process. Mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. when I feel like we get it. Mm-hmm. When the person looking for the stall and I find that perfect sweet spot that the stole says, this is who I am and this is my faith. Mm-hmm. A number of years ago now, one of our ELCA pastors, her son went missing and was later found deceased. Mm. And he was going to go on a big bike tour. And she decided she wanted to do that tour in his stead and preach 
throughout the journey about his ministry and his heart. And she said, if I gave you his clothes, could you make me a stole? Wow. Wow. How beautiful. Yeah. I've just been in awe over the years, seeing some of the things that you've posted, especially when you'll share something about the story behind it. It's just such a different experience than picking something out of the catalog. You're really a co-creator with these people and with God, of course. But you are also a co-creator with these people who will then wear them. Yeah. I call them heebie-jeebie Holy Spirit moments Okay, (laughs) where I will be stewing on one of my own ideas. I should do this. I wonder how I should do this. And someone in the midst of that will say, I've been thinking. (laughs) And And it's the thing. It is. I had an altar guild in my room one day and the whole altar guild coming to my room is really terrifying. (laughs) And it was one of those days that everybody was having their own ideas and everybody thought they had the right idea. And one of them said, well, our new pastor, she's going to be our teaching pastor. What would that look like? And I grabbed the liturgical calendar that I had pulled out weeks ago and said, I have been stewing on this. I've been trying to figure out what it would look like to have a stole that walked through the entire calendar year. Mm. But it can't be every image. It's just too much. Again, it's one of my favorite stoles to recommend to our new clergy because we ended up doing colors all the way up and around with Easter being then on the back with the only embroidered image and how pastors can use a clothespin and walk uh seasons of the church year to show where we're at. That's so cool. And what a good investment for someone who is new. Yes. Or retiring. I have a lot of my retired clergy that grab that. Because then they don't have to pull it out and go, Christ, color do I bring? (laughs) All right. Yeah, Yeah, because you've got it all. (laughs) You just grab the one. And uh, it's just beautiful how your seminary training, you bring this whole different side to your sewing projects than someone who just likes to sew would bring to it. How do you see your creativity and spirituality connect? In ways I never, ever would have dreamed. One of the things is I get to listen to audio books. Oh, 250 to 300 books a year, I realized I needed to really push myself. Mm -hmm. And I have loved the opportunity to really dive deeper into issues from politics to history to current issues in the church that we just need to learn more about beyond our whiteness, having the quiet headspace to just listen Mm -hmm. to what others need to teach me. And I have found myself so much more grounded than that. And sometimes out of that reading, creativity comes, but I find myself so much more thoughtful and deeper Mm -hmm. as a human being and better as a mentor when I work with other clergy because I have forced myself out of my comfort zone in my Mm -hmm. reading. And I have cherished that. I love how you put that connection that as you're working on these projects that matter to you, how you're using that time and the things you're absorbing as you do it, that that's all part of the process. Just curious, was it hard to come up with the name Quilted with Prayer? Did you toss around a lot of different ideas? It wasn't going to be a business. Remember that. Yeah. (laughs) I realized my old Facebook page was getting cluttered. And I found this <laughs> button that I could create a side page. And so I tried to do a stitch and a prayer and that was already taken. <laughs> and so I wish I could say it was this beautiful process of discernment. 
But if it's Ram and this fit. Whatever was not taken on Facebook is the name of your business. <laughs> it was probably a three-year process for me to truly wrap my mind around that this wasn't going to go away. Mm -hmm. My Ooh. first year, it was 50 stoles. And I remember saying to the bishop, holy cow, 50 people <laughs> found me through their friends. I can't believe this. And then that summer, I didn't get any calls. And I went, okay, that was really fun. Uh -huh. <laughs> We're done. 50 people needed them. I made 50 stoles. Business is closed. It's just, that was really cool. Mm -hmm. And that fall, the next year, I sold 100. And I went, whoa. And that's all history. Yeah. And now what's the current output? I always have to look up how many a year. Last year was crazy busy. I've made thousands over oh, the man. years. And did I mention I love my bishop? But every <laughs> now and then she likes to embarrass me. And at Synod Assembly, I had done a big banner for our synod. And so she was commissioning that and installing it. And she made all the people in the room who wore my stoles stand up. It was wow. just that. Holy. That's man. cool. Yeah. That's got to be powerful. such a cool feeling to know all around the country, all around the world that these are. It's still mm -hmm. really surreal. The yeah. people go quilted with prayer before they know me. Amazing. Yes. The business has a life beyond you. It does. That's the thing about creativity. It's like expanding beyond the human who first put it out there. Yeah. And the stories that people come back with of the funny things that their congregations have done with it. Mm -hmm. Then the more serious stories of when I really moved into making more rainbow stoles. One of my people came back to me and said they have a member whose son was deeply, deeply hurt by the church. He had been in the congregation during a split over the LGBTQ plus divide. She called him up and said, I know you don't want to go to church. I know this isn't for you, but can you watch Zoom with me today? And their pastor was wearing the pride flag stole. And he said, Mom, they're trying to understand me now, aren't they? And for the last three years now, they've been watching Sunday worship together. Oh. He's in Hawaii and she's up here. And it brought home for me the power of image and the word that we send non-verbally. I may not preach LBGTQ plus from the pulpit, but I see you and I'm trying to hear you. It's such a beautiful non-verbal. Yep. It's so much more a piece of fabric. That's for sure. It tells stories and it can share sentiment and it's just beautiful. The whole thing. And I don't even know how to say this. I feel like it's really empowering for women because when I first started out, what we wore was so influenced by what all these old guys before us had worn, you know, <laughs> but now there's just these beautiful things that are a joy to wear. Wow. So thank you for being such a big part of that. Absolutely. I used to say when God tells you to do something really bizarre, you can question it, but just kind of go, okay, then you know, that's the thing because you would not have thought of it. And I, I think Clergy Image, which is one of those small businesses that has transformed the way that women clergy get to dress. They're the first company, I think, that ever went, oh, guess what? Women have babies and they're clericals. <laughs> and I remember early in my ministry saying to one of the companies, you know, I'm not pregnant yet, but I plan to be pregnant. Are you ever going to make maternity clericals? Well, they were Catholic and so... No, they don't need those. But we had to fake it early on and create stuff. 
Yeah. Well, there's these other businesses that make stoles, other people who've started small businesses. Do you like talk to each other at all? I wish we did. But I think even in my nine years of doing this, there were only six maybe companies that I even knew about. And now we're popping up everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Especially because of Etsy. I go on there every now and then. And it's such a gift when a stole maker finds their niche. They start by just kind of doing whatever they can come up with. And then they find that little corner that works for them, like story mm -hmm. stoles. Oh, <laughs> the work that they're doing is so uniquely them. Mm -hmm. And I love that. Yeah, it's so great when you can be supportive of each other. So what are you working on right now? I'm trying to be a trendsetter, which is just not what I ever thought. I've started this culture of short stoles again Ooh. for people that cannot, for so many reasons, wear robes, mm. namely that they're hot. Yeah. And, but yet mm -hmm. they want to have the stole as a visual or mm -hmm. outdoor services, high parades, wearing oh, short stoles. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Also, shorter stoles you'd see more of when it's being filmed. COVID, shoulder mm -hmm. to hip. That's all. Mm -hmm. Yep. I could yeah. see where that would be really nice. Yeah. yeah. Well, I haven't looked at your website lately. I'll have to take a look at it again. Good. Careful. I know, right? Melinda, thank you so much for taking time to talk to us today. Absolutely my privilege. Thank both of you for the ministries that you keep doing as well. Thank you so much for joining us today. And please share our podcast with people and rate us on Spotify and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for listening. Are we sticking with Go Create Something? I like it. I like it a lot. Okay. Until further notice, we can keep it at that. Unless you okay. think of something else. No, I'm loving this. <laughs> Go Create Something. Go Create Something. <laughs>